Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On Facebook, you have the ability, one has the ability to fill out their profile, their information uh, about themselves, things like their, their age and, and their gender and all those sorts of things. But w- one thing that you can fill out on Facebook is your relationship status. Let's see if I'm, I'm not working. So John, can you help me out with the next screen? There you go. And so it, here's the question. I think it, at least at one point used to ask this. What is your relationship status? Next slide, please. And there's a bunch of options on there that you, you can fill in, right? Um, a single, right? I'm, uh, or, or in a relationship, maybe uh, engaged or married. Um, in an open relationship, we hopefully don't have that happening here. <laughs> uh, widowed, but... Also, it's complicated, right? And so a lot of times, uh, your relationship status can read like this. Um, Larry McGurr is married to Eden McGurr, right? So something like that. But some people have played around with this a little bit and gotten creative. Can I see the next slide, please? This says that Heather is in a relationship with food, and it's complicated. <laughs> oh, Heather, I feel you. <laughs> right? so, uh, sometimes it can be complicated. Uh, the relationships in our lives can be complicated. Next slide, please. And there's been one time in my life where I have on Facebook highlighted the it's complicated relationship status. It's back in 2006. I was a returning fourth-year student at the uh, seminary in in St. Louis, and I was still uh, single in in the sense that I wasn't engaged, wasn't married, that sort of thing. But um, let's just say there is a, a woman, and in fact her name was Heather, who was looking to set me up with uh, her, her friend, right? And I knew that was happening, but I also knew some other things about my relationship status. I knew that I was starting to date Eden, now my wife. And here's, the, here's where it gets complicated, Because although Eden and I were starting to talk with one another, Heather is married to Eden's brother. And so it was like, oh, boy, uh, it's complicated. But we weren't ready to come public, and I wasn't ready to tell her brother yet that that we were were starting to talk. And and, it was was complicated. Well, it, it only took a few days. And... Uh, I, the truth came out, right? The, everything came out. Eden and I started dating. A few months later, we were engaged, and we ended up getting married. In fact, on, on Friday, we celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. Yay! Our, our marriage is old enough to drive, right? And 
And so uh, that, that's a wonderful thing. And uh, like the Disney movies say, and they lived happily ever after, right? Or not. <laughs> uh, it's still complicated. Now, no, please, 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 do not get me wrong. Do not mishear me. I'm happily married. I love my wife. I love my family. I love my life, right? Um, but, I mean, there's, there's two things. I mean, first, when a marriage happens, one sinner marries another sinner. Okay, so that complicates things. But even that aside, real, whoop, we okay back there? Um, so even with that aside, relationships are still complicated. They're complicated because we are finite individuals, right? We, we can't be everywhere at once. And so uh, I have a relationship with my wife. That's one of my relationships, but I, I also have uh, a relationship as father of my children, and so there it takes time and energy, and I want to give our, my children uh, individual time and group time and all these things, right, and go to their, their activities. Then I have a relationship with, well, my occupation, I guess in, in this case, uh, my calling, as pastor of this church, and I want to serve the people here with the word of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus. I also want to be a good neighbor. I also want to be a good citizen of this community, of, of, of Summit County, of Colorado, of the United States. Just like thinking of all these things, I can't keep up on Facebook. I can't keep up with every, all the, the new events that are, it, it, it's complicated, right? Life is complicated. And I feel sometimes, do you ever feel this way? Like Stretch Armstrong pulled in multiple directions. How many of you can think of your relationships and maybe the word complicated comes to mind. Next slide, please. We are in a, a four-week sermon series just uh, through the uh, lectionary readings out of 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 6, 7, 8, and 9. And in this section of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he's talking about relationships. And Relationships are complicated. That's why we're calling this series. It's complicated. And specifically, our text for today, it's complicated. Uh, how many of this, how many of you heard our, our text from 1 Corinthians today and thought, wait, uh, do I have to? Stop serving my spouse? <laughs> uh, do I, what, 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 what am I doing wrong? Am I hearing, Paul, am I hearing you right? There's a lot of complicated stuff in that text. But there's one thing in particular that's very clear that we as Christians would, would agree on. Uh, and that's this, that the Lord is coming back. That the Lord is uh, returning. And so we, 
are called to live with a, a sense of urgency and focus since the, as Paul puts it, the present form of this world is passing away. So in verse, verse 29 of our text, the point of time has grown very short. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. So maybe uh, our understanding of short needs to be tweaked a little bit. But let's just say it this way. It's shorter today than it was for Paul, <laughs> that Jesus is coming back. The appointed time has grown very short, and he says this, for the present form of the world is passing away. And so this raises a question for us. Uh, how, since the time is short, how should I divvy up my time as an individual, as a finite being. Now, one, one approach could just be, I'm going to, during this time, focus on myself. We live in Summit County, and in Summit County, have you ever heard um, the pe people say things like uh, powder day rules, or there's no friends on a powder day, Right? Let's go out. I, mean, I think that's just our way of saying eat, drink, and be merry in, in this county, right? Uh, let's go out. Let's get our own. Let's take care of ourselves. Let's do what makes us happy at the expense of all else. Now, of course, we're not going to spend too much time considering this. If we read the rest of the Bible, certainly that's not what, what Jesus is calling us to do to focus on ourselves to the exclusion of others. But this text does raise a question, at least in my mind, maybe, maybe the answer to the question, how should I divvy up my time is, I should focus on God over my neighbor. Right? Uh, verse 29, let me... Read for us. From now on, the Paul writes, let those who have wives live as, they, as though they had none. I'm pausing there, men, so that your wives can all uh, stare at you for a moment, right? And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Um, that's a kind of a hard passage. Should we? Like the church has encouraged in the past, like the church in some places still encourages, if we're fully devoted to the Lord, give up any other relationship, move to a monastery, pray all day, maybe not, right? Or, or maybe, let's Lutheranize this, right? We're in a Lutheran church after all. Maybe in order to be fully pleasing to the Lord, 
we need to go into full-time church work. All right? Be holy, like me, right? Maybe we need to become a pastor or a DCE or a deaconess and devote every waking moment to the Lord. Hmm. Hope you picked up on the sarcasm when I referred to myself there. Maybe, maybe what we should do, okay, not everyone should go into full-time church work, but maybe we should serve on as many councils and committees and boards and, and serve at the church at every opportunity we have, every, every time there's a Bible study, everything, we should be there no matter what. You know, I've been in churches, large and small, that have sort of operated that way. The staff, there is this expectation from the staff to the members of the congregation that you work at the church and fulfill the needs of the church at all costs. And if you don't, well, you get a helping of guilt. Oh, you're too busy for Jesus. Got it, right? There is one instance where I can think of a, 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 a family who um, was bringing a foreign exchange student over and was, they were staying with them for a year. And th- that family was going to take them out to explore, to, to see some of the countryside and, and, and just enjoy the United States. And, and there was a church worker who wanted some help at Vacation Bible School. And when this person said, nope, I, I, we can't because we're going to be away, they definitely got guilting and shaming that happened to them. <sighs> so that doesn't feel right. We don't serve the, the Lord at the expense of our other relationships and the other things that are going on. So maybe we need to go back to our text and take a look and see what Paul's answer to the question would be. And his answer, and I get this from verse 35, is that we ought to live in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now what does that mean? We need to, when we read the Bible, here's your exegesis Bible interpretation 101 uh, for the day. We need to keep the text in the context. And so when a passage is confusing, is complicated, one of the first things that we do is, well, we take a look at what's the, the broader context that Paul is 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 talking to, um, in this case, talking to the church in Corinth. What's he saying? And Paul, as we've noticed, he's wrestling with this idea of how shall we live in light of the Lord's return? But you notice that several times throughout chapter 7, he says this. He says things like, this is not a command. This is 
as someone who's had mercy given to him, this is just a thought. This is a suggestion, right? This is not, he says later, and, and he says this, this is not to lay any restraint on you in verse 35. Uh, the, the word restraint there, I mean, could literally mean like this is not to put a noose on you and, and yank you around. This is for good order and to secure your devotion to the Lord. Now, what does it mean to be devoted to the Lord? John, in 1 John chapter 4, helps us a little bit when he, when he says this. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's an interesting uh, phrase. Maybe we've heard that a lot of times, but that sentence seemingly could be completed. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love him. But that's not what John says. He says, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's what it means to be living in undivided devotion to the Lord. I mean, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he lived with undivided devotion. He devoted himself to me as he devoted himself to the Lord. He devoted himself to you as he devoted himself to his Father in heaven. He devoted himself to the whole world as he devoted himself to God. And, and that's exactly what happened when, when he came, when he was incarnate, made man, walked amongst us, ate with us, healed people, cared for people, listened to people, had conversations with people. He had undivided devotion for us as he had undivided devotion for his Father. The two were not diametrically uh, opposed. Um, he had undivided devotion, and that led him all the way up Mount Calvary. He labored up Mount Calvary, beaten, broken, bruised for our sake. He was hung on a, a cross, and upon that cross, when he has uh, continued to be devoted to us, he's devoted to the end, right? To the point where he says, it is finished. He has done everything for us so that our responsibilities, our forgiveness, our salvation, our very life are taken care of through his death and through his resurrection. He has taken something that was such a mess, so complicated, and he's made it simple for us. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has given us 
freedom from the guilt that other people in the world can lay upon us, even in our relationships. Lutherans use this word, uh, vocation, to talk about uh, our relationships, our service, our responsibilities to others. The word vocation could mean calling, as in you've received a calling from God and you have certain vocations that you have been given. Martin Luther oftentimes talks about our vocations as being masks of God. And so when I serve my neighbor, I'm just a mask. Who's behind that? God is. When, I, when the, uh, the, the farmer collects his crops for the, for the season, he's being functioning as a mask of God so that God is working through him so that food can make its way to the supermarket so that I can buy it and eat it and have a complicated relationship with food, right? Um, as, as spouse, as parent, as worker, everything we do, we do with undivided devotion to the Lord. We're empowered by God's Holy Spirit to do that. It's kind of like, maybe the best illustration I've heard is, it's like that person who's terminally ill. We've seen that, we've known that, and there's something, especially in a Christian's life, that when they're terminally ill, you ever notice that they're laser-focused. They're laser-focused on what's important, on the relationships that they have with others. Our dear friend Patricia right now, a member of this congregation, is someone who's terminally ill. She's said, uh, we, we've uh, set up a food uh, train, a meal train for her, and she has said, hey, thanks for the meals. I'd also love for you to stick around and hang out for a little bit so we can talk. She's laser-focused on her relationships. So uh, for, for a spouse or for uh, a, a parent, we're laser-focused on how do we stay devoted to our spouse and to our children and to the Lord. And so everything we do, we're bringing in our devotion to the Lord. We're sharing that with them. Paul, in this text, he's wrestling with this. One of the things he's wrestling with, and he kind of brings out this sobering uh, realism that as people with finite capacity, family takes a lot of time. Family takes a lot of energy. Family is a primary vocation for us. And that's a good thing. That's a God-given thing. However, you know what else is also good and God-given? 
It's singleness. Or married without children. Maybe a couple hasn't been blessed with children. Because that's a good thing, a God thing, because now that individual can focus on other responsibilities, other vocations, other forms of being a mask of God so that they can serve in the church or so that they can serve in the community in ways that maybe someone with a young family can't do. And that's okay. Sometimes uh, in the church, we can treat singles uh, as if they have something wrong with them, right? Oh, when are you just going to get married? Right? When, when are you going to settle down and have a family? What the Bible tells us is for someone to be devoted to the Lord, of course, we, we keep purity in, in mind, and single, <laughs> that's a good thing too. And so we don't need to uh, lay too much guilt on someone at the next uh, family reunion who's in their 20s and hasn't gotten married yet. Or 20s, or 30s, or 40s. All right. We also need not lay guilt, and I'm talking to the church here, um, we don't need to lay guilt on someone who's a member of our congregation but isn't currently serving on a board or a committee especially if they've got responsibilities at home. That's their primary vocation. Care for their children. Care for their spouse. And we all take a, take a look and see what are our vocations. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit complicated. I mean, they, they kind of fall under four realms, four categories. Uh, vocation of home, or vocation of occupation, vocation of society, and vocation to the congregation, right? And sometimes we need to use our uh, thoughts to, to work through this. What, what's the best way for us to serve my neighbor in the vocations that God has given me? But we need not lay guilt on anyone. Again, the Apostle Paul says, I say this all for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Jesus is devoted to us. Has been, is, will always be. He's working on us to sanctify us as his followers today. We know that that devotion is finished. It's complete. We have the complete salvation of the cross and that we can live our lives in the vocations God has given us, serving him and do so without anxiety, without guilt. In Jesus' name, amen.